clear that the Bible um, talks about that there are no rewards, partial rewards, and full rewards. So we're going to be talking about that. In the, in the remaining weeks in December, we're going to talk about who to honor. And we're going to talk about civil leaders, our spiritual leaders, our social leaders, our, I mean, uh, and we talk about honoring those who are entrusted under us. So we're going to be talking specifically in the next few weeks about specific people and ways that the Bible talks that we sh- teaches us that we should be honoring. So to, but today is kind of an extension of the introduction from last week. We're going to be talking about the rewards that come when we honor and when we honor appropriately. Okay? Because it's really, it's everybody's question is why should I do this? Okay? <laughs> Besides the fact that it says so in the Bible, I want to show you what happens because there are there are conditional things that God releases and and does not release based on how we comply with what he's asked us to do as his people. So today it's partial. We're going to be doing partial. We're going to be doing none and full rewards and it's a pretty put pretty full sermon. So I'm going to try to move through this fairly quickly. Um I'm going to do a PowerPoint with it because there is a lot of scripture and that way you can focus on what's up here and um, kind of help you stay on track with how we move through this. Um, so, Pastor Tracy, if you'd bring that up. Okay. So if you just go to the next slide where we're going to start. and we're, we're operating on a Mac back there, so our little button that moves slides doesn't work so here so what we're going to do is she'll she'll move them as I ask her to so you just bear with me so we're going to start off um we're going to start off with um and I'm going to be all over the place as far as scripture so we're going to start off in Mark chapter 6 verses 1 through 6 um this is the story where we see Jesus coming into the temple he's been out in the country he's been doing things the people are starting to hear about him He's having crowds starting to follow him because of the signs and wonders that he's doing. And what happens is he comes back to his own hometown of Nazareth, okay? Now, right, because we all eventually circle back home, right? Stop in, see Ma, see brothers and sisters, say hello, check out the neighborhood, you know. We're all doing this. So uh, Jesus circles back around, and while he is in Nazareth, um, he goes to the temple, and he ends up. Now, remember in the temple, the way things would, would operate is if you had something to say, there would be a group of scribes and teachers and Pharisees and all these people kind of sitting around, and when you had an opportunity, you could speak. Now, for the most part, it was just those educated people or leaders of the synagogue, the rabbis, the Pharisees, they would be the ones talking. The rest of us common folk would be sitting around listening. Except on this particular day, Jesus takes an opportunity to share. And he starts talking. And as he is talking, the people are um, starting to stir. Now, I'm going to read the first six verses just to get us started, and then we'll talk a little bit about it. And he went out from thence, and he came into his own country, and his, and his disciples follow him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this... Um, hath this man these things and what wisdom is this which is given unto him that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands is not this the carpenter the son of mary the brother of james and Hosea, and of judah and simon and are not his sisters here with us and they were offended at him but jesus said unto them a prophet is not without honor but in his own country and among his own kin and his own house and he could there do no mighty work save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and he healed them and he marveled because of their unbelief and he went around the villages teaching so we start off and you can just see the picture. So Jesus starts talking and when he starts talking, the people in the synagogue are starting to go, isn't this the guy that, isn't this the guy that grew up with our kid? 
isn't this the kid that, you know, helped his dad out build our chairs for our kitchen table? Isn't this the same Jesus that used to play with those old, you know, old Joey there when Joey was just little? And in the process of that, they literally got, the more they thought about this, they got offended. And they got offended because it is very difficult. When we talk about honor, it's really difficult to honor people that we get very familiar with. It just is. We forget it. We start to think about them as common, um, you know, oh, that's the neighbor. Oh, that's our, that's just our son. Oh, that's just my, um, coworker at work. Oh, that's just the pastor. Oh, that's just the people at the township. Oh, those are just, those are everyday people. And that's what was going on here because as they thought about how common they thought Jesus was, how familiar they were, they began to become offended because it's like, who does he think he is? Who does he think he is to be standing in front of us on the Sabbath day in our synagogue teaching us stuff? And Jesus has a sense of what's going on here, and he just tells them, he says, no, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town, in his own home with his own family, and he's talking about that familiarity. You know the old phrase, familiarity breeds contempt? That's what we're seeing here. And in the process of that, Jesus could not, it says, he says no, he could do no mighty work. Now, this is a sad thing, just as a sidelight. It's a sad thing that we have come to a place in our walk with Christ that we that we think that when he provides for us or when he takes care of us is a mighty work. Because, see, his word tells us that he will do that because he's our father. We don't even know what mighty works. I mean, we equate, we equate healings with mighty works. But here in this text, he's literally saying he could do no mighty work. But he did do a few healings with some folk. We're talking about an issue with honor because these people were so familiar with Jesus and they thought he was so common. They did not give him respect. They did not um, give him um, the due position that he was in. He really, truly, as the son of God, was entitled. They didn't recognize it. And because of that, what happened here in Nazareth is that they got a partial reward. Partial, because we do see that he was able to do with the people in Nazareth. He did a few healings. Now, I want to talk before, if you'd go to the next slide, um, Pastor. Um, we, I want to talk to you before we move on from this. I want to get some def, just definitions clear for you in your minds about what honor is. Okay, because if we're going to talk about partial and we're going to talk about no and we're going to talk about full and we're going to be talking about honor from here till the end of December, we really want to have a clear understanding of what honor is. In the Greek, okay, it is, you would see it written as time, but it's called, it's teamy, and it talks about valuing or appreciating or respecting, granting esteem, but it is not just in our words, but it is threefold. It is in our actions, and it is in our thoughts. Oh, chew on that one for a little bit. Because a lot of times when, we're, when we are thinking about respecting somebody, we'll put on the front, but our thoughts are running crazy, way out of control. You know, you're not happy with something that your boss does at work, and so you won't say it to his face, but behind the scenes in your head you're going, oh, my gosh, this is the nastiest, worst person I've ever worked for in my life. They're nothing but no good trash. The Greek word for honor, when we talk about honoring people over this next month, we're talking about threefold. We're talking about our actions, our words, our actions, and our thoughts. 
And these people in Nazareth were definitely going off in their word, and they were going, definitely going off on their actions. Um, but in Isaiah, we can support this. You're saying, okay, well, what about, I mean, thoughts, really? I mean, why do you think the Bible talks about taking your thoughts captive? Why do you think it says in Philippians that think on these things, those things that are good and pure and loving and faithful and all these things? Because it's supported in the Bible that when Jesus looks at you as far as you're honoring and whether you're meeting the plumb line that he set for us as Christians to be honoring people, he considers what you say, what you do, and what you think. And that's a pretty big standard. I'll be the first one to tell you. It's a pretty big line to measure up to. But Isaiah says, Wherefore the Lord says, For as much as this people draw near to me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but they have removed their heart from me. Their thoughts. He's not happy. It's very clear that we have three things that we have to pay attention to. So honoring, when we talk about honoring in this, in the, throughout the sermon today and the next several weeks, when we say honor, we're talking about valuing people, appreciating people, esteeming people, and respecting them. If you go to the next slide, we're going to go to the, I'm going to give you the opposite now, just so you can see the opposite. It's pretty upfront again, but show no value. Treat as common or ordinary, easily done away with. Easily done away with. This is when somebody asks you, well, let me just give you an example within the church, okay? So if somebody asks you to do a task, a task um, or they ask you to, let's just say, I'm going to, in Pastor told you last week, we're going to, Pastor told you, we're going to step on toes through this whole series. You just can't do this series without. But let's, let's just pick greeting, okay? Because I saw a slide up here asking for greeters. So when somebody asks you if you can be a greeter and then you just don't show up, you are easily doing away with. You're showing no value to that role. You're saying what you're saying in effect, or let's say that you don't find somebody to fill your spot or, you know, or you're 20 minutes late and you're supposed to be here at 9 o'clock. What you're in essence saying, and not just to the, not just to Sonia who asked you who fills those gaps, or Marsha, or Apostle, or the rest of us, really truly what you're saying is in God's house, that role is inconsequential. It's not important. So I don't have to really worry about it. I don't have to be here on time. I don't have to fill the gap if I can't be here. Because you're devaluing. Because honoring comes in our word, our actions, and our thoughts. It's going to step on a lot of toes over the next several weeks. And there's a reason for it. We're going to get to that. But even, in, and I wanted to throw this in here. It's, it's, we're coming out of the honoring book by um, um, Revere, but in Matthew 4, 9, and you know this story. This is a story of, of Jesus is out. He's done his 40 days of fasting, and Satan comes to him, and the first thing that Satan does is um, tries to... Oh, get him to eat and bread. And he does any way. We get down to the third temptation. And Satan says, if you'll just sit down and worship me. Well, in the, in the Greek, that word worship, one of the definitions is respect me. If you just, if you just respect me, if you just fall down and respect me, what Satan is saying is if you just give me some honor here. It's, it's honor is important all the way across the spiritual spectrum. And you're going to see where it becomes a foundation for holding everything else in place. I'm going to say that again. Honor becomes the process that holds all of our other actions in place. So let's go to the next one. So 
I'm going to give you, I told you I was going to do a bunch of stories. We're going to be kind of all over the place today. So we got Nazareth where we see partial rewards because some of the people were had some healings. He couldn't do any mighty stuff. When he could, said he could do no mighty stuff, that means that the Heavenly Father is telling him, because of these people's behaviors toward my son, guess what? They don't get what they could have had. He could do no mighty work. Here in this story, it's Luke 5, and the verses that we focus on are 17 through 27. And I, I, over the next week, I want you to go th- over these and really think about the stories. But what happens is, this is the one you're very familiar with. It's um, Jesus is in this house or in this place with the Pharisees and the rabbis, Okay. And, again, he's doing similar things to what he was doing in Nazareth. He's talking to them. He's teaching them. And the word literally in verse 17, and this is very crucial, it says the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Them. He's talking about those Pharisees and those rabbis. The power was present this is a side note again. This is this is one of those things where when we have people who come forward or ask for healing, what we're we're seeking, we're trying to to assess, we're we're getting in our our um, prayer closets with ourselves, and we're asking, Lord, is the power present to heal them? Is it present? Is it here? Is this the time for that healing? It says the power was present to heal them. So I have to assume that some of these leaders needed some healing. I don't, I don't see a need for God's power of healing to show up in a place where nobody was sick. So there had to be some of these leaders, these Jewish leaders that needed God's touch because it said the power was present. So as the power is present, so they're talking, they're going on and on. And what happens is as they're doing this, they start into this conversation with Jesus about, well, healing on the Sabbath and all this. And and they began to reason with themselves, thoughts, action, word, thoughts. And they begin to have these thoughts. They begin to reason with themselves. And they begin to think, oh, my gosh, this guy is just blaspheming. And in the process of that, what happens, this man, this is the story where the, they, they have the four friends and they've got their buddy who is paralyzed, says palsy, but he's a paralytic. And they have him on the stretcher and they go up to the top of the roof and they open the roof and they lower this one man down. And Jesus heals him. Guy gets up, walks away. In the process of doing all that, Jesus said, it says that he's perceived their thoughts. They sure weren't honorable thoughts. When you start talking about somebody blaspheming, that's a pretty serious charge. Very serious for the Jewish people. So here we have these scribes and Pharisees. They're already, their thoughts are running. They're out of control. They're being disrespectful. They're verbalizing it. And in the process, Jesus understands their thoughts. And what happens is he ends up healing the man who was lowered down. But he gave no healing, no miracle, no signs or wonders. Nothing happened to the Pharisees and the rabbis, the teachers, the ones that originally the healing was present for. He did nothing there. Zero, zip, nada. Nothing. All because they were disrespectful and did not understand honoring. They got no reward. Okay? Next slide. Don't you? Doesn't this guy look formidable? Okay? So we have a story, and I'm talking quick. We have a story about partial reward. We have a story about no reward. And now we're going to have a full story about a full reward. This is a centurion. This is what he would have looked like on any given day out and about Jerusalem, Judea, Galilee. Now, remember, the Romans had conquered 
Israel at this point, they were the ones running the show. And so they had their soldiers everywhere. Okay? This is why at the crucifixion we have Jesus going, you know, see, um, Pilate going back and forth with Herod because they all wanted to pass it off to somebody else. But the Roman presence, the, the Romans ruled over the Jews. And so we, there were, and the way it worked is you have, let's say you have a legion of 6,000 soldiers, okay? There's a commander, one commander over 6,000 men. They would break down those 6,000 men. There would be, i got to get my math right. 600? 600 to 1? 60? Help me with my math. 60, there were 60 centurions that would over 6. 1 over 100. There you go. Forget it. I'm not teaching today. Okay, so 1 over 100. Okay. <laughs> so let's make it 60. Yeah. So we have this story in Matthew chapter 8 where... We have a centurion. Now, and this is what he's going to be dressed like. Okay? Because at any point, because of the unrest of the times, I mean, the Jewish people were not at all happy that that the Romans were in control. And so at any point when a centurion was, or the soldiers were out and about in the region, they were in their garb. Okay? And when I say garb, they were in their soldier outfits. Okay? They had they had their their um, at least their sword with them, or if the centurion who had men under him was out and about, if he didn't have his shield, he at least had his sword. But the men around him that went with him had their full gear because you never knew when there was going to be a riot outbreak and they needed to protect themselves. And they needed to fight down those people that were coming against the Roman rule. So this is what the centurion looked like the day that he came to Jesus. Minus, plus or minus his sword or his shield. So this guy comes walking up to Jesus. And the scripture says that he came beseeching him. That's a pretty heavy word. When was the last time you beseeched somebody? When was the last time that you really came up pleading for somebody's cause? That's what we're talking about. This would be like the the teenager asking dad for the keys to the car, brand new car on steroids, like a hundredfold. This is beseeching. We're we're pleading. And he comes up. Now think about that. This man is can have anybody killed at any point. All he has to do is speak a word. He's got that much authority. He can go wherever he wants. He can do whatever he wants. And nobody is going to stop him except the commander. But the commander puts full trust in him because that's, I mean, there, there's a level of honor and respect there, but that's why he's a centurion. He's been promoted to that level. So here this man comes up. He finds Jesus. Now, he's already been hearing the stories. He's been investigating. I'm sure he sent his people, his soldiers out to hear what's going on in the region. And he he gets enough information to know and to believe at some point that if he goes to Jesus, the servant that he cares for, must care for dearly because he actually goes to Jesus himself. And he beseeches him. And in the course of talking to Jesus, he says, listen, I have a servant and they're very sick. And if you would just but say the word, you don't even need to come to my house. If you just say the word, I know that I know that he's going to be healed. And I know that he's going to be healed because I understand authority. And this is the basis for honor, is understanding authority. You really don't understand, you, don't, you can't really honor somebody unless you understand not just that, the, that they have been granted authority, but they've been granted authority by God the Father. It says in the New Testament that he puts 
kingdoms and governments in place. So as much, and I'm as guilty as everybody, as much as we don't like what's going on, let's say in Washington, we need to watch our words, our actions, our thoughts, because it is a God-placed authority. It does not mean that the people there are following God or signed up to his laws. It says that for whatever reason, God has determined that this is the person that's going to sit in that position of power. And because of that, we have an obligation to honor, to be respectful, to esteem And this man, he says, I understand authority, and I understand that you have authority, and all it's going to take is for you to say something, because it's like me. When I say something to my men, they just go do it. They don't question me. They don't wonder what's going to happen. They don't drag their feet. They don't say, oh, I just don't know that's a good idea. I'll just think about that, or maybe, you know, I just think that the Jewish people would be better if they just did this. So this centurion, this formidable guy against Jesus, who's dressed in a, on a tunic, a robe, probably sandals. That's about it. He says, I get it. I get it that you have authority that I don't have, and I'm honoring that. And all you have to do is just say the word. You don't even have to come to my house. And that was such a powerful statement to Jesus that Jesus literally says, Well, first he heals the servant. He says, as your faith says, so be it done. But Jesus, it says in the scripture, he marveled. Jesus marveled. And he says that there was no greater faith in all of Israel. Now, think about that. First, it kind of blows me away that we got Jesus marveling. Do you ever, have you ever done anything to the extent that you think that Jesus would marvel over your activity? Ask yourself that one. Because he obviously does. When we get it to the extent that it's supposed to be done, Jesus marvels over us. Because if he marveled over this guy, he would marvel over us. And he says, I've not seen faith so great in all of Israel. Well, think about who was hanging around. We're talking about John the Baptist. You mean this guy had faith and respect and honor for Jesus more than John the Baptist? More than the disciples? More than his mother? Think about it. He is, not only is he a Roman, but he's, he's not Jewish. And of all the people that were surrounding Jesus, all these mobs that were following him, all of the people who he had already healed and touched, Jesus says, because of this man's understanding of honor, His faith is greater than anybody else that I've seen in all the region. That's pretty amazing. And because of that, he gets a full reward. Full. What did he ask for? He asked for his servant to be healed. He got exactly what he asked for, the full thing. He said, you don't have to come to my house. Jesus didn't go to his house. I just want my servant healed. Next slide. So partial, no, full reward. Okay? So this is what I said earlier. This is, I, I, I'd been talking to Butch a week or so ago, and this analogy came to my head because I've been stewing on this honor stuff. When I said that honor becomes the foundation, it becomes the thing that holds everything together, I want you to think of a bowl of soup. Okay? All of this, now a good bowl of soup as my husband should attest to, a good bowl of soup has a little bit of everything in there. Okay? It's got some vegetables, got some broth, got some spices, right? And the more you kind of put it in there and you let it all simmer together in the pot, and the longer it simmers, oh my gosh, you get this beautiful flavor that comes out. So I want you to think of honor Over the next month, I want you to think of honor as a bowl of soup. But it's not the soup itself. It's the actual bowl. 
Think of honor as the bowl itself. It holds it. Now think of everything that as a Christian you have to, you kind of, again, it's like um, in this whole conversation with Butch, I said it's like juggling. You have ten balls and you're tr- a good juggler will keep all ten balls in the air at the same time. But see, as Christians, we can't juggle. We are supposed to be able to juggle, but we can't. Because we think, oh, we drop one thing. Oh, I'm not honoring today. Or I'm, I'm offended tomorrow. Or I can't, I'm just sad. Or I'm angry. Or I, can't, I don't have enough faith. Or I'm anxious. We've got all these things. The Bible says um, that we've got the fruit of the Spirit was love, joy, peace, long-suffering. I mean, all of these things, those are elements that are supposed to go into your soup. Following the Ten Commandments, loving your neighbor as yourself, um, tithing, um, reading your Bible, doing your prayer time, making sure that you're worshiping, um, doing kindnesses, encouraging people. All of these things are things that go in the soup, okay? It makes up the soup. Are you following me? If you are trying to do those things, but you are not honoring people, what happens to your soup? It's, your bowl is missing. It's all over the counter. It's everywhere. It's a hodgepodge. Somebody would come in and they would look at it and they're like, that doesn't look like soup to me. I got a vegetable over here. I got a little bit of love over here. And I got a little bit of faith over there. And I've got a little bit of healing or signs and wonders over there. But it's not a really soup. It's just a mess. Any good cook knows that it's all got to be in a pot, in a bowl, simmering. And the only thing that holds that together is honor. And there's a reason for that. If we go to the next slide. These are some scriptures that we talk about that when we come into the to, to honor and really understanding the, the role of honor. Look to yourselves that you lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Full reward. There it is again. It's several places. You get the strong concordance, you look up full. You're going to find several places where it's talking about that you are entitled. God wants you to have his perfect will, not his permissive will. His perfect will for you is to get the full reward that he intends for you when you follow his precepts and his principles fully. He wants you to have the best. He's your father, your heavenly father. He has plans for good, not for harm. He wants to bless. He wants to prosper. He wants you to be able to move with his authority like Jesus did because Jesus was the first of many brethren. He wants you to have your full reward. But, again, he gives us choice. He allows us to make decisions. He wants us to come to this fully on our own accord. And on our choosing, our will to say, I am going to do these things and I'm going to do them all together. I'm going to keep all the balls in the air at the same time. I'm going to keep the soup in the bowl And I'm going to get the full reward. And we're not talking about just rewards that are in heaven. I mean, we do. It says we we will earn crowns and we'll cast them at our feet. I'm not talking about that, although that is part of what comes out of this. I'm talking about the here and now. I'm talking about when he says that the kingdom is here, that he has things for you. That he wants, we've talked about this, he wants to bring you into his counsel. That's part of a full reward. It's a part of a full reward when you know that there's a healing present. You're not questioning. You're not wondering. You're not going, I don't know if it is or isn't. When he says, test me and try me. And see if I won't open the windows of heaven. There, there's reasons. There's things that, that God has, there's principles that God has put in place so that we can get that full reward. First Samuel is an example of what happens or what can happen um, when we don't do that. It says, for them that honor me, I will honor. This is God talking. For them that honor me, I will honor. For those that respect me, esteem me, 
Do not treat me as common. And a lot of times we will do that to God. Every time, every time he whispers in your ear that you should do something and you put it off, you are not honoring him. It's true. Every time he whispers, hey, it's time for prayer time, and you go, I don't have time. Or every time he says, hey, reminds you it's, it's time to get into your Bible, do your, your reading today. Every time that he tells you, whispers, or prompts you that you should be sharing your testimony, and you shut down because you can't survive 20 seconds of insane courage. You can't last 20 seconds. I'm telling you that 20 seconds is key. You, can, you can't last 20 seconds to do that, to step up and say something to somebody and share your testimony. You are disrespecting God. You are showing a lack of honor, and you are cutting your own throat because you will not get a full reward. Every time you blow up at somebody, every time that you are driving down the road and somebody cuts you off and you flip your finger at them or you curse under your breath or whatever you do, because those are things God says, nah, we don't do those. Every time you do that, that's why that bowl of soup, that honor becomes that bowl, because there are guidelines. You despise, it says, for them that honor me, I will honor they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Now, that lightly esteemed in the Hebrew means considered trivial, brought into contempt. When God talks about needing to take care of the house, and you say, I ain't got time for that, you're considering his request trivial. You're not telling the apostle it's trivial. You're not telling the elders it's trivial. You're not telling the other people that sit next to you in the church it's trivial. You're telling God it's trivial. These are his guidelines. We can go through the Ten Commandments. We can go through the Golden Rule. We can go through all of these requirements, requirements or expectations that God has for us as his people. And if we don't comply, we're basically saying that it's trivial, it's not important. And when we do that, we're not honoring him and we are lightly esteeming him. Next slide. Principles. Now, we're going to call this over the next several weeks, we're going to call this the law of honoring. Okay? You've heard us talk many times about the law of sowing and reaping. You know, when you, if you're going to reap a harvest, you, you, you reap what you sow. You reap more than you sow. You reap when you sow. You reap after you sow. There are guidelines that God puts in place about sowing and reaping in our actions. There's guidelines that he puts in place. There's principles. There's a law of, I'm just going to call it the law of salvation. You cannot come to Christ unless you ask him for forgiveness of sins and you ask him to come in and be your savior. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a guideline. It's, it's something that, it's a law. It's a principle. It cannot be shifted. You cannot find yourself at the judgment seat thinking that the Lord is going to let you into heaven if you have not accepted Christ as your savior. It's not going to happen. It's a law. That's why the Bible says he comes to fulfill the law. He wants us to step up to these things. So this law of honoring, that's what we're going to call it, is crucial. Words, thoughts, actions. And there are levels. And this is over the next few weeks. This is what we're going to talk about. Next slide. We're going to talk about the different levels. And we're going to base it off of this verse. These verses. Matthew 10:40. Now, what you're going to see is it says receiveth, but we're going to put honor in there. Okay? So he that receiveth, he that honors you, receiveth or honors me. Now, Jesus is talking. Okay? And he that honors me, Christ, honors him who sent me, honors the Father. So even Jesus all through his ministry, and he is our example, is continually turning 
honor back to his heavenly father where it rightly belongs. This is why there are many times when you're reading in the New Testament when it says that he says to somebody, go your way, but don't tell anybody about this. Why is that? He doesn't want to take the honor for himself. He wants to give it back to his heavenly father. So he that receives honor, he that receiveth, receiveth uh, or honors a prophet in the name of the prophet shall gain a prophet's reward. Partial, full, or none, or full. He that receiveth or honors a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whosoever shall give to or honors unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple. Verily I say, he shall no wise lose his reward. Now, in this, we're going to divide these into three categories, okay? If for, this, for the sake of this verse, think of prophets as leaders. Think of your spiritual leaders, your civic leaders, your social leaders, and leaders in your family. So, he that honors... Oh, so let's skip down. He that honors... A leader in the name of a, a, a leader in the name of a leader shall receive a leader's reward. Now, I want to just use, I'll use this because we were just talking about it at our prophetic cell uh, last Monday. What's a prophet's reward? He that receives a prophet, he that honors a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. It sounds kind of like a whole bunch of muddle, doesn't it? It's like, what the heck? I don't even know what that means. But, it, but let me explain that. Because there are things, and as we look at the rewards that come from our leaders, the rewards that come from our peers, the, the rewards that come from those who are entrusted to us, it becomes really evident. So, for instance, we'll use the truck for Africa, the purchase truck for Africa, Okay. If a prophet or a prophetic person has, hears from God and delivers a word, okay, and in this case, an action, an activity, if the church honors that word, they honor the prophet, then what happens is we get the prophet's reward. The prophet's reward is whenever... That person who gave the word, that prophetic person, gets to see that come to, come to fruition. They get to see it happen. They get to see the monies come into this account, purchase, actually purchase a truck, and hand it off to the people in Africa. That is a prophet's reward. When they get to see what God spoke, when they get to see it come to pass. That's a cool reward. I'm going to pick on Pastor Betty today, okay? I don't know how many years ago it was, but she received a word. She'd be out of her wheelchair, right? I don't know. How many years ago was that? Three? So what happens, okay, so when she receives a word that she's going to be out of her wheelchair, she has one of two choices. She can say, I'm going to honor that word. I'm going to honor the prophetic that was spoken over me, and I'm going to grab hold of it. Or I'm going to ignore it because I just really don't esteem any of that. I just don't see how it could happen. Because honoring takes word, action, and thoughts. So... When she chooses to start speaking that to people around her, it's a testimony unfolding ahead of time. God's getting all the glory and the credit ahead of time. When she's taking action on it, she's talking to the physicians. She's talking to the physical therapy. She's watching what she eats. She's doing everything that she can. She's putting it into action. And about the time that she's discouraged because things aren't moving quite quick enough or we've had setbacks, we're taking thoughts captive. What happens in the end? She gets the prophet's reward. The prophet's reward is that she was out of her wheelchair. She's experienced that. 
That's what happens with honoring. But the same is true and so for the truck. When Pastor Roger comes up to me today and he says, I've been handing out the parts list. We're going to see what God's going to do. Guess what? Actions, words, because he's been talking to somebody. He's made extra copies so he can hand out the parts list. It's in his mind, his thoughts, because he's thinking about ways to be prepared. So when he's out in the community, he's got his stuff ready to hand out. He is honoring. And when we honor our leaders for what our leaders are asking us to do or telling us to do, then we get that reward, full reward. And this happens civic leaders, social leaders, family leaders, and and we're going to talk about those. But the same with righteous men. So those are leaders because honor comes in three levels, okay? The second level is when it says, and he that honors a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. These are our peers. Think about honoring your peers. Some of the ways we honor our peers, we cover an extra shift at work for them because they have something with the family and that's really important to them. So even though you don't want to do it, you cover for them. You're honoring them. What's valuable to them, of value to them, is value to you. You don't interrupt. You don't take advantage of them. You don't keep asking them to haul you all over town and not giving them gas money. You understand that their time is valuable and you're very appreciative. You don't blow up in their face and treat them like they're dirt. You yell at them and carry on. That's disrespectful. This is the golden rule. This is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. This is that this peer. And what happens when we value, when we honor the righteous man, then guess what? It's returned to us. You want somebody to treat you nice? What your mama always say? You want somebody to treat you nice? You better treat them nice. And then the last one, and whoever gives shall give to drink or honors one of these little ones. Verily I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. The little ones. We're going to classify these are all those that are entrusted under us. All those that are entrusted under us. This is your children. This means we don't manipulate them. This means that we don't threaten them. And I, when I say threaten, I'm not talking about discipline. I'm talking, well, if you if you keep that up, da 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 da, and I'm, you're going to be out on the street, da 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 da. No, that's manipulation. You're not honoring those that God put under you. You're not valuing them. You're not esteeming them. You're manipulating them. Or how about um, how about um, if you are in a position where you are the lead at work or you're the boss or you're the person that has several under you that you're caring for? Bevere tells this story of, um, he, and he has a big ministry operation out in Colorado, and he tells a story in one of these chapters about, um, how he realized at one point one of the one of the ladies that very valuable to his team did a lot of the overseas worked over uh, with the international publishers and getting the book out internationally spread across the world and um, she um, this pastor comes along this other pastor comes along and tries to steal her away from him. And in the process of that, he realizes that his staff were way, 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 way underpaid. So he stops right where he's at and gives a directive to his financial accountant that all of his employees, every single one, is going to have an incredibly substantial wage hike. Because he's realized 
that he has undervalued his staff and all that they do for him. These are people that are under you, whether it's your children, whether it's people you're mentoring, whether it's employees, whether it's people in your cell, whether it's people that you care for on a regular basis. God has entrusted them to your care, and it is your job to honor them. It is your job, it is your responsibility to bring value to them, to let them see their value, to let them understand that just like this beginning where it flows down, it goes from the Heavenly Father, Jesus, you, and then these unders, uh, others under you, that you are responsible for teaching them how valuable and important they are, that they are not trivial, that they are not common. That's what God's people are supposed to be about. That's what God's message is. When he does all the scripture about He knows the hair of your head, number of hairs on your head. Aren't you more valuable than the lilies of the field or the birds of the air? Didn't I give you a mission? Didn't I pour into you when you were in your mama's womb? Didn't I pour into you that you had things that I wanted you to do and only you to do? That's how valuable you are. And it is our job as God's people to honor that. And honor them and show them their value. Because honestly, if they can't find it from the church, they ain't going to find it anywhere. They are not going to find it. I'll give you another little fact. I'm probably jumping ahead into spiritual stuff, but I was reading this week. Do you know what the, what the average tenure of a pastor in America is today? Take a guess. Four years. Four years. Average length of a tenure. Number one reason, 20% of those that they, that they did this research survey, 20% of the pastors wanted to move to another region in the country. Now, that's not unusual because... Most denominations tell you where to move. They don't give you a choice. Most denominations. And so what happens is if you're a young pastor starting off, they're going to put you in some, kind of like the teacher's program. You've got to work off your, your grants or your scholarships or your federal loans. They put you in a place that is either like inner city or way off in the boonies somewhere. So 20% of the pastors, because their denominations place them, 20% will leave in the first four years because they found they want to move someplace else. More appropriate for their families. Number two reason at 18%, job frustration. Job frustration? Seriously? Think about that. That's no different than the world. That's no different than all the people. You know, you don't have long tenures anymore. It's very rare for somebody to stay at a job for 30 years. There's always greener pastures somewhere else. But pastors? Job frustration? Why is that? It's because their soup is all over the counter. The congregations have their soup spilt all over the counter. They've forgotten the bowl that holds it all together. They have forgotten that honoring, respecting, valuing, understanding that your pastor is not common. And what he says or she says is not trivial. And we could apply this across the board to every denomination, every church out there. These things, these things are important to the Heavenly Father. He says, if you're going to get the full reward that I have for you, you have to figure out how to honor appropriately. And you have to do it consistently. 
you have to control your thoughts. So at the point that you're running your thoughts because the people that you work with are a bunch of jerks, you need to shut down, take thoughts captive. You need worship, prayer time, get on the phone with another person from the church and tell them I'm really struggling here. I'm having a hard time honoring about the time that you want to walk off the job and not give notice. You're not honoring. See, we talk in deliverance sessions about honor your parents. The Bible is very clear. You know what the full benefit of honoring your parents correctly Longevity, which makes me kind of scratch my head sometimes because I don't know how much longevity I want. But (laughs) it's still, it's the outcome when you honor your parents. That doesn't mean everything that your parents have done is right. It doesn't mean that everything that your parents have done is honorable. But that doesn't excuse us or take away our responsibility to acknowledge them as the parents who God chose for us. Chose. Chose. There's a reason he chose it. He doesn't have to tell us. That's part of us honoring him. We don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to know why my mom did this and this and this and that. No, it wasn't right. But that's not in the equation. He doesn't say that you get your full reward only when you understand it all and when it makes sense to you. And you can go, oh, yeah, that makes Okay, I'm good with that. No, that's not what it says. Or as parents, when we do stuff that's wrong, we blow up when we shouldn't, we manipulate when we shouldn't, we run our mouths when we shouldn't, we cut down when we shouldn't. When we do all those things, you know, the honoring Honoring is going back and apologizing, even though you're the parent. Getting it back in place. Honoring is when your boss asks you to do something, and the boss says, you know what, I need to take this. Typical, okay, so my boss is going to, she's going to have surgery, and she called me the day before she left, and she says, I hate to tell you this, but I need something. Um, I have to do an article for um, uh, one of their little pamphlets that's coming out. And she says, I haven't had a chance to write it. I'm not going to have a chance to write it. I need you to write it, please, because I don't have time before I go on leave. <sighs> I hate writing. I hate writing. I'm going to say it again. I hate writing. (laughs) And I really hate writing when I'm under a time limit. To me, this article was a waste of time. Trivial, common. But if I'm going to esteem my supervisor, if I'm going to do what I need to do, whether I like it or not, if I'm going to do it because God calls me to it, then I have to get the crazy thing written in the timeline that she set. It's just what it is. We talk on Thursday nights about being doors, but now I'm telling you, you have to be a bowl. And I would really suggest you take a bowl and you set it out somewhere in your house. I don't care. Put it on your desk at work. Put it in your car. Put it on the stove or the counter. Put it somewhere in your house that that bowl is reminding you about honor. You have to do something because it's hard to keep all the balls in the air at the same time. I'll tell you it is. That's why the word is very clear that many are called and few are chosen. It's why he says that there's this narrow way and few there be that find it. Because it's hard to keep all these things 
But the more that we work at it and the more that we focus on it and the more that we talk about it, the more it becomes, should become innate. And so when people are looking at your life, they're not thinking about how awful you treat them. They're thinking about, wow, I really need to get closer to that person. I really need to understand them better. I need to understand authority like the centurion did. I need to not be offended like the people in Nazareth did. I need to to control my thoughts like the Pharisees didn't. Because God has a full reward for me. A full reward. And we have no idea the fullness of that. Because I'm going to go back to the Africa, the truck thing here as we close. The worship team wants to come forward. So you, you think in our, because as humans, we're finite. We're finite thinkers. And so we think when we get a word and we're going to honor it. So like Pastor Roger, we're going to hand out the the purchase light list and we're going to try and collect monies so we can purchase this truck and then let's just say we get the full 50,000 and we purchase the truck and we send it over to Africa we think we think that's our full reward I got news for you it's really truly not our full reward because the full reward the fullest is things we probably aren't going to see All the monies that that truck raises to take people places, to do ministry in places that we cannot get to, to save souls and to to bring this line. I want you to think of a line of people standing behind you in front of the throne. When you're up there at Judgment Day talking to the Lord and he's going, I know you got that truck and that was a cool reward, but let me show you the rest of the reward. And he accounts to your page all of those people that were impacted because of that truck. All of those people that were impacted for the kingdom. Things that we can't even imagine. Honor. It has to be in place. Everything we do, everything we say, we have to look different than the rest of the world. And we have to do it in all levels. And that's why we're going to be chewing on this over the next civic leaders, I think, or next week. I'm telling you, honor, honor, honor. Consider them valuable. Appreciate, esteem Anything but common. Anything but common. Father, we we just thank you for today. We thank you for the words. We thank you, Lord, that you call us to accountability. We thank you, Lord, that you actually, Lord, even though even though there just seems like there's a, a thousand things in your word that we're supposed to follow and try to keep it all going at once, you made us a people through your Holy Spirit, who can accomplish it. It is something that we can achieve. You would not call us to something that we could not attain. That's not how you operate. You love us. You value us. And because you do value us, you call us your children. And you say, I've got rewards for you. Lord, help us to be very, very thoughtful over the next several weeks because life is for everyone. A life of honor is for everyone. Lord, the outcomes that are going to become of this, and this is crucial, Father. I just believe it's crucial as we come into this next season of, of really facing giants. Big things that you have for us. Big things. Because you do esteem us and you look at us and you say, Pine Grove can can get it done.
that you're honoring us. Father, please help us to really grasp hold of this and look at our lives and see these areas where we have gotten no reward because of our behavior, where we have gotten partial rewards. And Lord, also remind us of those places where we're, we're, we're getting full rewards or have received full rewards just as an encouragement to us to keep going. Help us to be all that, Lord, all that you expect of us, all that you've called us to be, following the sample, uh, example of your son. We love you. We praise you, Father, in all things. I'm just going to ask you today, as you, um, as we, if you'd stand with me, the worship team's going to lead us in closing. I'm just going to ask that as we close out, if you um, would make just a, make a commitment over the next four to six weeks that you're going to be a bull. You're going to figure out how to be a bull. You're going to bring honor at a higher capacity than what you've done, and. If as we um, do that, if you, if, if, just as the Lord impresses, if you'd come forward, I'm just going to have the apostles speak over um, each one that's here at the altar as a, as a group, just to move us out in this honoring and understanding how crucial it is, how crucial it is. If we're going to wage a good warfare, We have to start with the right foundation. Amen. Pastor Tracy, will you bring up how he loves, please? Mel is going to lead us. If you're if you're feeling led, come down front. An apostle will have a word over you. Kathy Ann got a word, and I just think it ties into some of the things that we've already talked about today. Said that. Well, there's two parts of it. The first part is is that kind of like what Prophet said. There are some times that we're not going to see. We're not going to see the feedback from the honor. We may never individuals may never honor us back but it doesn't give you any reason to dishonor that God gives no license for us to ever dishonor and it does not matter what the people around us have done to us it is only to honor now we lead us He is jealous for me.